Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Good morning to our podcast listeners as well. We are going through the book of 1 Peter, and we're going through a kind of a difficult passage today, and I kind of want to set it up a little different. Last night, I was out walking my little Karen Terrier. She's a, um, like Toto from Wizard of Oz, for those of you who don't know what that is, and it was a, a beautiful night. Um, I remember thinking my mom would probably be mad at me because I don't have a jacket on. And I was outside walking around and, and letting her do her stuff. And I looked up at the stars. And it was just one of those moments. I mean, you see the stars all the time, right? But I grew up in Dallas, so I didn't really see the, the you know, there was the, what they call light infection or light. Um, and so the, the skyline of Dallas prohibited me from really being able to see the stars like I saw them last night. And I live in a subdivision, but I just remember looking up last night and thinking, man, they're beautiful. And somewhere in the midst of all the snow and the winter and the cold, Somewhere in the middle of that moment, it just overwhelms me that the God of this universe, that the God of this galaxy, the, the, the vast expansion of all of creation, still looks down on me and knows my name. He made my fingerprints. He, he gave me breath in my lungs. And I think that's so important for us to understand. It's so important for us to grasp that no matter what kind of season you're in right now, whether it's been an eternal winter for you, or whether the spring has come, or whether you feel like life is going great or it's a struggle, no matter what the season is in your life, I want you to know that God loves you. You know what I do often as pastor? A lot of times as pastor, pastor, I put out fires. And that's okay, except I didn't really set up to be a firefighter, but that's still okay. And I think a lot of times my, my role, let me just be very, very candid with you, if I may. My role sometimes is reacting to people who have um, struggled or going through difficult circumstances. Sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes it just is. And I, I can go very easily from hospital visitation to helping a couple work through an affair to very carefully helping a single mom whose just, husband just left them to bouncing here and there. And, and this is my life. And, and, and that's fine. I, I accept that. And I, and I love that. Um, I don't love that they're going through that. But I love helping people. But what I want to tell you today is going back to that creation idea that the God of this universe loves you so much that if you could just cling to him now, the trials are going to come. The, the, the crisis is going to come. The difficult moments are going to come. And, I, and I, what I see over and over again is we react to God when we are in need. And we don't understand that we are in desperate need for him 24-7, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 60 minutes an hour, 60 seconds every minute. And how good God is and, and how he loves us. And, and I think sometimes what pastors, if we're not careful, is we spend our whole life reacting instead of getting up in front of all of us and looking in the mirror and reminding myself that we must cling to God now. Because when the difficult moments 
life happen, you're going to want him there. If you don't understand that, then this passage is going to be kind of a difficult passage for you. <laughs> it's a difficult passage to teach anyways. But we're going through 1 Peter, and I'm going to cover what comes next. I want to give you the fact that sometimes life is going to be hard. But God is still good. Cling to Him in the good and the bad. 1 Peter 2, 18-21 says this. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. I sit there and the first reaction is going, I don't know, how does this passage apply to us? We're not really slaves. So let me explain a little bit about this context and give you a little bit more information here. The slaves that he's talking about here were about 25% of the population of the people of Rome. Okay? Now when we say slaves in an American context, we naturally think of the slave life that was here in America. And for the most part, the slave life that Peter was addressing here was not near as severe as the slave life that was in America. But it was still a slave life that wasn't like a servant. So in order to hear the slave life that it was talking about here, what you have to do is somehow imagine the slave life in America and a servant and go right in the middle. Is that fair enough? So a lot of the times these people were treated really nice and a lot of times they were treated horribly, but they really didn't have rights or privileges. They weren't born with the same uh, abilities. And so what you find is sometimes what they were is they were doctors who were still slaves. Uh, they were uh, high-end household workers, cooks, chefs, who were still slaves. And, and sometimes they could earn their freedom, but the masters sometimes didn't want them to earn freedom, so they made life miserable for them. You know what I'm saying? And some of you are sitting there going, what does this have to do with us? Well, I want you to understand that while... Peter was not endorsing slavery. What he's actually doing is he's addressing the attitude of how we should respond in the most difficult situations. And some might go, why did he address the slaves and not the slave owners? Well, in this passage, there were very few slave owners who were going to church. <laughs> Can you imagine? But Paul does address it in the book of Philemon. And Paul would say, if you have a slave, let him free because you shouldn't have slaves. But Peter, when he's addressing it, recognizes that I probably can't fix the system. And so if you are a slave, I want you to act a certain way. How should we act as a follower of Christ? As a follower of Christ. A couple other things I want you to understand, and maybe how this relates to us even more. A very difficult lesson that we have to learn, and sometimes we don't learn it well, is that we are not all born with the same access to life. You do realize that, right? That some of us were born with a silver spoon in our mouth and some of us wouldn't know what a silver spoon was. Some of you had your college educations paid for by mommy and daddy. Some of you couldn't sniff college because you never were given the chance to even get by. You didn't have a car or a way to get to there. The bus station didn't come by your house. It would have been walking eight miles to go to the college that you can't afford. And so you've done a great job doing whatever you've done. And I want to say great job, but maybe somewhere along the lines that's made you feel like I deserve more. 
You do realize that in certain parts of the world, <laughs> let me put it to you like this way, wherever you are, if your skin color matches the majority of other people in your, your context, you have a privilege. Why? Because people who look like you tend to respond more to people who look like you. So in this context, there is such a thing as white privilege. And I, I, I know that, that stirs some, ooh. And what I mean by that is don't take it to an extreme, but let's just realize that that exists. And the fact is, some of you were born into money and education. I wanted to be born as an athlete. <laughs> I was going to be the greatest athlete the world has ever known. The problem was I was born me. I mean, I can run a 40-yard dash in like an hour and a half. I mean, I am very, very fast. And I have a six foot five son and our big joke in our house is he has a huge vertical. He can jump three inches and I can jump two. I, I wanted to, I, the one thing I could always do is I could throw the ball really well. So when in seventh grade, I went out for football because I was good. And I went to an inner city school and it was great. We had 90 guys show up and I was going to be the quarterback and lead the team because I could throw the ball. I showed up first day and found out we had an option team, which if you don't know what that means, it means we didn't throw the ball. And I showed up and I was like, I want to be quarterback. So you've heard me say this before. And the guy walked up to me and he goes, line. And I was an offensive lineman. I was like, but this isn't fair. I want to be the quarterback. And life isn't always fair. And somewhere along the line, we bought into this idea of the American dream. Now hear me. I'm not making fun of our country. I'm not making fun of capitalism. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is we bought into this idea of if you want it, you can have it. And that's just not always true. You can't all get everything. And here's the prevailing problem, okay? What we do is we chase after what we want. So in our society, okay, I go out to be quarterback. In order for me to be the quarterback, I have to win out being quarterback against other people, which means I get the American dream and they don't. That's the easy way to explain it. Let's break this down a little bit farther. When you're looking at your life and you're chasing the promotion, in order to get the promotion, you have to get it. Someone else doesn't, right? In order for you to do better socioeconomically than other people, you have to be making more money, which means other people aren't. When you chase after this world and you chase after friendships, you want to have more friends. And we, we buy into this comparison model of, of, of looking for happiness and, and looking to achieve and attain our goals. We, we buy into this idea that if I could only work hard enough, then I can get what I want and everybody else. But the problem is, in order to do that, we are putting other people behind us. The reason the slave owners owned those slaves was they wanted their life to be better and they didn't care about the status of the other people. And if we're not careful without owning slaves, we can become that way too. Because we chase after things and the object that we're chasing after is our self-promotion. And the, in, order to only, in order to promote ourselves, by the implication of promoting ourselves, we are putting other people down. The gospel is never about putting other people down. Peter would say, okay, and Paul would say, and I know that they would say this, okay? If, if you are a person who is chasing after God, live for the glory of God. Peter was not endorsing slavery. He was not. 
But what he was saying is, and let's just be candid with you. If you were to be a person who owned slaves, right, you should probably set them free. Why? Because you shouldn't own slaves. But what he was saying was this. You need to allow human dignity. You need to elevate human dignity even in the most difficult situations. So, to those of you who have been given much, you need to use it to help elevate other people. Did you get that? But here's what Peter is also saying. To those of you who haven't been given much, you need to use it to elevate other people. And I think far too often we, we buy into this mentality that woe is me, my life is horrible. Woe is me, I'm the only one who's going through this. Woe is me. And we play the comparison game and comparison is the thief of joy. I didn't say that, by the way. I actually did just say that, but you know that wasn't my original saying. So who does this passage really address? To the person who has a mountain of debt because of college and or credit card loans. <laughs> you know what you're a slave to? That. You're working to pay off the monthly interest, and we have things that we offer to help called financial peace, and we do things like that to help you, but a lot of times, here's the church's approach, okay? <laughs> Good luck! Sorry, life gave you a bad hand, you know, go for it. And what we need to do as a church is to help elevate people and walk them through the difficult moments of life. This passage also applies to the one who does not have the job that he or she wants, but you're still able to provide for his or her family. And the gas station attendant who walks four miles to work there, who works double shifts to put food on the table, can oftentimes feel like no one values me or appreciates me, but let me tell you, you are appreciated. You are being noble and you're serving. And if you're serving for the glory of God, thank you for doing that job. To the teacher who sits there and goes, no one appreciates me. All the parents complain and I have to give a homework and the kids don't like that. I mean, can you imagine and fathom that? But you got into the profession because you wanted to elevate those kids. I say, chase the dream and don't let anyone put you down. To the soldier, to the banker, to the, to the person chasing after the six-figure, seven-figure job, I say, go for it, but do it for the purpose of glorifying God, elevating those around you. What about the one who does not have a good boss or work situation? <laughs> right? My boss, if you knew it, then they were so mean, and I don't really want... You can feel like a slave in those situations, you know? Like I have to show up day by day and go through these motions. And, and they're, oh, they want me to not only be here at 8, they want me to be here at 7.55 because early is late. I mean, late on time is late, right? I said it. It would have been so much funnier if I said it right. On time is late. I don't know why I did that voice either. But um, this mentality of, you know, and, and, and they make me wear khakis. Who does that anymore? We complain and we, we argue and we, uh, we sit there and we struggle and we don't have a good attitude. The one who believes that others have been given a better lot in life and you spent your life bitter and angry because he left you 20 years ago and you've had to make ends meet. She um, has not treated you well. The, the work that you were in, your parents were negligent and you've had to strap for every corner of peace and 
I want to say I'm sorry. But I also want to say this very carefully and because I think that's what the Bible is teaching us. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. The church doesn't need any more people who act like the world. And if I were to pull the room and ask you, and in a candid moment, because I couldn't do it in public, how many of you have felt sorry for yourself this last week? I dare say it would probably be bordering on 90%, if not higher. Some of you are like, oh, busted. You wear it on your faces, which I love those people because I know that's how I know how I'm doing. Those of you who are good at poker, I don't, it's hard for me to tell how I'm doing up here, okay? And so Peter here is saying, you know what? We're all a slave to something. You're a slave to your attitude, you're a slave to what you put your attention to. But the freedom we find will not be chasing after the things of this world, putting other people down, elevating ourselves, looking for the next way to climb a ladder that does not ever lead to anywhere. The way you'll find freedom is resting in Christ. Now, go back to the beginning of this message. Go back and chase back to what I talked about, the grandeur of the stars and seeing and feeling how insignificant we are. The insignificance we feel is often why we chase. We want to feel valuable. We want to feel loved. We want to feel cherished. I want to feel that. If I'm not in a good place, then I, I pry myself away from the, the temptation of sitting there going, somebody tell me I did a good job. Someone tell me I did a good job. Someone tell me I did a good job, right? I, I want to be funny, but yet deep. I want, to, I want to have an impact, and yet I want to be cool about it. You know, but come on, tell me how cool I am. Because we long for someone to find value in us. And if you're a slave, that's what you're going to feel like. Now, can we just open up with the idea that we are all slaves? Because we're all longing for our value because we were broken. And somewhere in the middle of this world, you need to know that you and I were made with dignity value people, that you are lovingly, carefully created in your mother's womb, that the fingerprints you have been given belong to no one else that has ever existed. And, and somewhere on Mars, there is a rock that existed. Somewhere in another galaxy, there is a star that is shining because God wanted it to shine down on you and me and creation. But we wanted what we wanted. We entered depravity. We pushed people away. And in our depravity, we, we lost our freedom. And we entered into slavery of our sin. And the only way to really find freedom is to abandon our slavery of sin and replace it to become slaves of the king. But I don't want to be a slave. That's where freedom is found. First Peter 2, 21-25. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. What do we say right here? We're followers making followers of Jesus. We're supposed to follow in His steps. He did not sin and 
No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Now, these are great words of Peter, but let's be a little transparent. These aren't really Peter's words. In fact, he's quoting Isaiah 53. I'm going to read those to you, verses 4 through 9. It says, Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, and like a sheep silent before shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment, and who considered his fate For he was cut off from the land of the living and was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with the rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had spoken and not spoken deceitfully. Now that's amazing verses about the life of Jesus written several hundred years before Jesus existed. And when Peter was quoting them, what he was saying is, do you realize that Jesus came and fulfilled the prophecy that, that life would be difficult for him? In other words, Jesus wasn't born on this earth thinking, woohoo, get to experience the human life. I get to go out and go, hey, you know, and do all these fun little jokes. And I bet he was really good at puns because pastors are good at puns. And, you know, these kind of things and, and going around and doing these things and, and, and miracles. I get to heal people. Woo, this is going to be awesome. You get sight. Awesome. No, Jesus came and he glorified the Father, knowing the difficulty of the life that was had. Now, Peter, when he's doing this, maybe just maybe what he's doing is he's foreshadowing our life that that you, you and I, that we, as we follow Jesus, will have the difficult moments. In other words, cancer is going to happen to somebody in your life. He or she may leave. There will come a time in your life when divorce will happen to someone you know. Someone you know will be abused. Someone you know will be discriminated with. Someone you know will be fired. If not you in all those situations. Somewhere along the course of life, you're going to look up at the vastness of this universe and go, God, have you forgotten me? He's going to say, no child. I've not forgotten you because I sent Jesus for you. And maybe just maybe the way that we guard ourselves in that moment is to chase after him now. I don't know what season you're in right now. The winter or the spring or the summer. But God says the better days are coming. Even if they're harder. Let's look at four real quick examples of Christ as we wrap this up. Four real quick examples of what we can get from what Peter said. First of all, Christ, and as we follow him, should do this too. Christ did not sin. Verse 22 says this, He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. (laughs) Determined to not let your circumstances cause you to sin. That's the nutshell of that. 
It's amazing to me how we as adults have outgrown the idea of peer pressure. Why did you gossip? Well, she gossiped. So? If she'd have jumped off a bridge, would you? Yes. Why did you cheat on your taxes? Everybody's doing it. Why did you speed? Everybody's doing it. Why did you... You are the master of your decisions and people can't make you sin. <laughs> Those are the easy ones. I can't get to the more difficult ones, right? Because it gets too personal. But you place yourself and chase after Jesus and you do the things because followers should stand out and you don't have to sin. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He didn't sin. Don't let your circumstances cause you to sin. Rather than think of yourself, think of how you can use the situation to point to the love of Christ when it gets hard. The second thing I want you to see is Christ did not retaliate. He says there, um, verse 23, And when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges. I think you're going to see that if you follow Jesus, there's going to be people who say mean things to you, and the temptation will be, Oh yeah? Well, here's how I'm right. Ha <laughs> ha, sucker. Nope. Turn the other cheek. Show them love. Show them grace. Point to the person that is going to save their life. His name is Jesus. Stay focused on the mission. The third example of Christ is he not only um, didn't sin, he not only didn't retaliate. Do you notice how these build? He didn't retaliate. He didn't sin. But he also carried our transgressions. The ones who sinned against him, he carried. So the people who are persecuting, you carry their transgressions. In other words, you help them out. But I don't want to. The Bible says, love those who persecute you. Pray for those. We have to fight jealousy and envy with grace and love. We have to fight the idea that I wasn't given the best hand of life and say, I'm going to make the most of the life I have. We have to fight our uh, personal idea of, I want my life to be smooth with, I want to help other people find the glory of God. Carry their transgressions. How do you do that? You love your neighbor in a difficult time. You financially contribute if you know someone who needs it. You change a flat tire for the person who can't change the tire. You love those who can't love themselves. You play catch with the boy who doesn't have a father. You go and you volunteer tutoring to help someone who doesn't know how to do the math that you know how to do and God has gifted you with the ability to do it. You serve in the church. You love the world. Helping others see Christ. And then what you find is the fourth example of this Christ is by His wounds we are healed. First Peter says this, by His wounds you've been healed. For you like sheep have gone astray, but you now return to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Isn't it nice? We want to be healed. <laughs> That's why we come to Christ. And hear me. When the difficult times of your life happen, I want to be here for you. And if I can, I'm going to help you find the people who can. Maybe, just maybe, you need to understand this. Maybe, just maybe, for somebody, even though you may have heard this a thousand times, today will be the day it sinks in. In order to be able to live for God in the difficult moments of life like you should, you have to cling to Him now. Now. Because the hard days 
will come. Good days too. But the hard days will come. And in those moments, let your faith testify how good he is. Because in my depravity, in my darkest hour, in my waking moment, I sit there and I think, God, I can't imagine what life would be without you. And I give him praise and I give him adoration and I thank him. And on the good days, I party like I'm going to party because Christians shouldn't always be sad, right? But on the difficult days, I want to glorify God because God didn't leave me in my mess. He didn't leave me at the bottom of the well. He didn't leave me in my depravity. He sent his son to die on the cross, to raise to new life so that the spirit of God can dwell within us so that I am never alone. And then I have the absolute capability of having the fruits of the Spirit, peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I chase after those moments because this world will not defeat me. I will not yield myself to be a spirit, to be a slave of this world. I am a slave of the King. If you get that now, then when those times come, you will be the ultimate example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So how do we do that? Very simple Monday morning application this week. Memorize. And I, I, I say this with fear and trepidation. Don't take it too weird. But I hope this, this verse haunts you this week. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I hope you can't escape it. I hope it just, it's so short and so easy. I hope that you can't get past it. That as you're tempting to sin, as you're tempted to, to think about yourself, as you're tempted to push other people down, as you're tempted to go and do whatever you're going to do, as you're tempted not to read your Bible, I hope that you think of this thing, whatever you do, in word or in deed. When the boss is, is being mean and, and ranting, when the pastor is going too long, whatever the situation, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. Everything you do. When you're filling out your taxes, do for the glory of God. When you're driving in the church parking lot and the other church person cuts you off. When you go to the waitress, go to the cafeteria and the waitress isn't nice to you. When you go to work and the boss dumps three more stacks of paper than you can handle. When your peers, when your spouse, when your kids, whatever you do, do for the glory of Christ, giving Him thanks that God didn't leave you in your mess. I want to elevate you, but I can't. But I know the one who can, so I'm going to point you to Jesus because you were made with dignity. If you've never received Jesus, I would say it starts there. You have to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, repent from your ways, which means I recognize I make mistakes and choose to follow him. And we'd like to talk to you about that. Would you go by the next step space on the way out? And for those in this room who are chasing after Jesus, chase after Jesus. Choose to be a slave of the king because the things of this world don't have to have you captive anymore because you're a child of the Lord. Father, move in our midst. Take us. God, help us, whether we're singing this song or talking with our kids, going to work. God, in every situation, remind us how good you are to give you glory, to cling to you, to take this little thing called following you seriously. 
Forgive us, God, when we don't. Help us to keep going when we, when we don't feel like it. God, help us to turn away from the things that we've been held captive by and to find our freedom in you. God, help us to trust in you as a child of our King. In your name we pray.